Welcome to Recover Strong, a podcast that will transform your recovery from an eating disorder by helping you go from theory to practice to mastery. This is your special time to learn new skills, tools, and get the inspiration you need to recover strong. Let's get started. Good morning, warriors. Time to start your day. I'm your host, Jessica Flint. I'm the founder and CEO of Recovery Warriors, a wisdom sharing platform for all people impacted by an eating disorder. Recovery Warriors provides resources and support to heal your relationship to food, body, mind, and soul. I believe recovery is not only possible, but it is worth it. That is why Recover Strong exists, to help you see and connect to the potential that lies within you to find freedom from an eating disorder. Today, we are going to be talking about coping with food guilt. Now, this episode is part of a series of lessons that I created for past students of mine. I decided to bring these lessons out of our education vault to share with you to help you strengthen your recovery. You know, there's just something about them sitting there collecting digital dust that just doesn't feel right to me. So I want to bring these out, share them with you. They've gotten a lot of great feedback, and I hope that they can help you. Now, the last lesson in the series was released a few days after the new year, and it's called Want Better Body Image? Listen to this. Check out that episode once you're done listening to this one for some extra recovery support and wisdom. The link is in the episode notes below. Now, before we get into today's topic around food guilt, I want to let you know about the free gift we made to support you in your recovery. It's called The Daily Growth Habit, and it's a private library of audio affirmations that are designed to help you nurture new ways of being and thinking in recovery. I put a lot of love into these affirmations. Words of affirmation is one of my love languages. So I just want to share all the love with you with these affirmations. And essentially, they're all under 15 minutes. And the idea around this daily growth habit is 15 minutes is 1% of your day. So if you can just dedicate 15 minutes towards something that is life-affirming, soul-affirming, recovery-affirming, you are investing in yourself, right? And that 1% will compound if you continue to do this. Now, there's so many ways you can invest in yourself with this daily growth habit. And these affirmations are one of them. And they're just simple to listen to. You can play them while multitasking, while listening to the dishes, while listening to the dishes, while making your bed, going for a walk. You can seamlessly integrate these into your life. So this is our gift to you. And to get access, all you have to do is request a free invite at recoverywarriors.com slash habit. Now, this is a private library, but when you request your invite and get your private invitation link, you can play it directly from your podcast player. And just like with podcasts, you'll get new ones that appear in your feed. You will also be getting new affirmations every new moon and full moon. And this just helps keep you motivated as you continue to walk the path of recovery. And now we just had a beautiful, bright full moon, and I released a new affirmation track to help you transform procrastination into productivity and prosperity. I know firsthand and from so many students of mine that I've worked with over the years that eating disorder behaviors tie into procrastination so, so, so much. And if you struggle with procrastination, you are not alone. I think we all do to some degree. And yeah, and that's okay. Now, if you find yourself procrastinating at work, school, or with tasks you know are important to your health, wealth, and recovered future, these affirmations are for you. Request your free invite at recoverywarriors.com slash habit. Alrighty, my warrior friend, let's talk about food guilt. 
It comes up so much when living with an eating disorder and during the recovery process. And you might feel guilt over what you ate or how much you ate or when you ate or who saw you eat, right? All of these things can lead to food guilt. And you may also feel guilty for not eating, not following your meal plan. Now, food guilt can come up in so many unexpected ways and can make you feel like you did something seriously wrong. And over time, this guilt can turn into shame and become debilitating and just block your progress. Now, recovery teaches us that ultimately all foods are neutral and there's no morality involved in your food choices and eating habits. But how do you even begin to truly believe and practice this when you're struggling with intense food guilt? Let's hear what registered dietitian and intuitive eating expert Evelyn Triboli has to say. So one of the things I like to do is we look at guilt. That's a moral-based emotion. It's emotion based on violating some moral code. And so then I start asking, the moment that guilt comes up, what, what moral code did you break? What belief system is still alive in you that we need to take a look at and ask, is this really true? Is it really true that if you eat a donut that What's going to happen? You know, unless you stole that donut or stole the money to get the donut or, or killed the donut maker, there's no moral code that's been broken. And it's and, and so that, so to me, I look at it as an opportunity. It's like guilt, fantastic. You know, like what? It's like yeah. Now it's an opportunity to look at. We're hitting on a belief system. Belief systems are hard to 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 look at because they're not quite as accessible as thoughts are. So when this guilt comes up, first of all, it doesn't feel good. So we just step back. But wait a minute. What rules or what beliefs do I have? Is that, or what fear? What fear is coming up with this guilt? And then we start looking at what's true and what's not true about this fear. So now we move on to shame. And shame, same, same kind of thing. It's like, wait a minute. What, what happened here? Who, who put the shame in, in, in the eating? This is coming from our, our culture. What's the, you know, you had a donut or, or so what, you had a binge, okay? And so one of the ways that I look at this is what can we learn from this? It's a hard thing to ask somebody to do because we're asking them to go back and revisit something that wasn't pleasant for them, obviously. It's very painful usually. But what was the trigger? You know, were, were, you, were you too hungry? Were you too emotionally vulnerable? You know, were you too sleepy? What was going on with you when this was going on? And what were the conditions that were happening in this? And so what was happening beforehand? And then what was happening during the actual binge? Were you able to stay connected to the here and now experience? For most people, the answer is no. The mind usually leaves the body. They're escaping something when a binge is happening quite commonly. And so one of the things I'll ask them to do for, for future stuff is what can you do to stay connected? Can you stay connected with the taste of the food? And sometimes I'll have clients say, oh, yeah, I know the cookies tasted fantastic. And I'll say, I believe you when you say that, but I'm curious when you went for the fifth cookie and, and the eighth cookie were you still tasting was the taste is the same as the one the first one and they'll say you know I really don't know and that's usually first of all I say it's very honest and I always prefer honesty over everything but probably there's a chance you disconnected and the more you can stay connected to the here and now the more you have opportunity the more you have awareness you just heard from intuitive eating expert Evelyn Triboli. She is the co-author of the classic book that pioneered the intuitive eating movement. It is appropriately named Intuitive Eating, a revolutionary program that works. Now, Evelyn covered two emotions, guilt and shame. So let's look into them further. Now, we'll start with guilt. The etymology of guilt breaks down into two different meanings. 
Guilt meaning a sin, moral defect, or some sort of failure of duty. And gilden meaning paying for something to discharge a debt. Now think back to the question Evelyn posed earlier when talking about guilt. What moral code did you break? Is someone good for eating one way and bad for eating another? Well, diet culture has certainly gone to great lengths to demonize certain foods and food groups and evangelize others. But the reality is, food is essentially amoral. There will be no judgment day where pasta will go to hell and broccoli will go to heaven. Yet guilt is a common emotion that comes up when you have food rules. And also when you begin to challenge your beliefs around your food rules. To look at it another way, guilt is about violating your own internal standards. Or as researcher Brene Brown defines it, guilt is holding something you've done or failed to do up against your values and feeling psychological discomfort. And the other emotion that often gets mistaken for guilt is shame. Brene Brown, a world-renowned researcher on shame, defines it as the intensely painful feeling or experience of believing that we are flawed and therefore unworthy of love and belonging. Another way to look at it is shame relates to the self and the standards of the community. Shame is universal. It is an evolved mechanism that helps us avoid behavior that would make our social group stop valuing us. So when we look at these two, guilt and shame, what's the difference? Guilt is judgment on bad behavior. It is saying, I have done something wrong, therefore I feel guilty. Whereas shame is judgment on self. Something I've experienced, done, or failed to do makes me unworthy of love and belonging. Through the process of recovery, you will need to chisel away at internalized shame by reevaluating the standards you've set for yourself and the values you're investing your energy in and reconsider whether they are hurting you more than they are helping you. This is when you need to compassionately question the belief system still alive in you and ask yourself, is this really true? And the key to unlocking this is to stay connected to yourself, to your emotions, your thoughts, your physiological states, your environment, The more you can stay connected to the here and now and recognize the triggers in the moment, the more opportunity you have for awareness. And this, my warrior friend, is what we are searching for because it is here and only here in a state of awareness that you can begin to recognize and interrupt patterns and make conscious choices regardless of what stories are playing in your minds or what emotions are running through your body. And now that we have guilt and shame defined, let's hear what transformational coach Brandilyn Tebow has to say about a tool called the emotional scale and what it can tell us about emotions that give us power versus emotions like guilt and shame that take power away from us. There's a psychiatrist, David Hawkins, that did all sorts of research on the emotional scale, meaning which emotions give people power versus which emotions take power away. So agency away, feelings of power away from people. And so he did this whole emotional scale where he charted out all of the emotions from where we're the most powerless to where we're the most powerful. And what he found was that the bottom most emotion, the emotion where we feel the most powerless of all the emotions is shame. 
So shame is like the bottom rung. And then above shame is like guilt. And then above guilt is actually fear. And then above fear, I think is something else. And then even above fear is anger. When we're in anger, we actually have much more personal power than when we're in shame or guilt or fear. So what this shows us is that anger is almost like this gateway that we have to pass through in order to get to the higher emotions. But because so many of us have such judgment around anger, because we culturally have been made to believe that we're not supposed to feel angry, especially as women, we're not willing to pass through that gateway of anger to get to the other side. So we would rather stay in shame and guilt than allow ourselves to feel anger. And I see this a lot in the eating disorder community. One of the things I actually wrote an article about how anger was one of the catalysts to my healing my eating disorder. Like anger was one of the most transformational aspects of my healing my eating disorder. And that was that when I finally was educated enough about the system at work, how we all internalize oppression and who's actually benefiting from the guilt and the shame that we carry about our bodies, that there are actually whole (laughs) demographics of society that benefit and profit off of our shame and guilt. When I really understand like the systemic oppression that's at play and how women are intentionally divided against each other and meant to compete with one another in order for the patriarchy to get in place. Like when I understand the understood the political societal nature of this, I got angry about it. And as soon as I was able to get angry about it, I was no longer in my own shame. So already I was higher on the emotional scale. And so I moved through this whole period of being enraged. We call it sacred rage in my sacred rage about this. And I was able to move through that and then get to the higher states of acceptance and forgiveness and love and inspiration. But had I not passed through that anger, I would probably still be stuck in shame and guilt and fear. So anger is actually a really important process in a lot of our healing journeys. So shame is at the very bottom of the ladder. In other words, shame takes our power away from us. Think about how much the dieting industry thrives on us feeling shame over our body and guilt for our food choices. And the interesting thing Brandilyn points out is the importance of anger in ascending up the emotional scale into higher states of acceptance, forgiveness, and love. When we direct anger inward towards ourself, it only creates more guilt and shame. But directing it outward at the system, the patriarchy that capitalizes and preys upon our insecurities, that gives us power. The next time you are in conflict with your body, remind yourself that your body is not the problem. Society is. You are worthy of love and belonging exactly as is. Now, what happens when you have a shame attack and you don't feel this way? Well, the skill to call in when you are struggling in a state of suffering and smothered in shame is self-compassion. Intuitive eating expert Evelyn Tribley has an easy exercise she has her clients do when they are feeling high levels of guilt or shame. What can you learn from this situation and what would you do differently? And so what I find is it helps let go. And then let's look at this also with a compassionate frame. And because research has also shown having compassion for yourself helps to let go of the guilt. 
you know? And I have patients who struggle with this because sometimes I'll describe self-loathing or hate. I hate myself with this, Evan. How can you ask me to do this? So sometimes what I will do in these times is um, I'll say, you know, I'd like to do a little exercise if you're willing. And I'll, I'll bring out a, a vivid image of uh, a puppy whose name is Shame. And I'll describe a puppy. If I already had a sense of this person, I might say it's a bulldog or it's a fluffy little sheepdog or whatever it happens to be, or they can name the puppy. I said, and this puppy just now pooped and it's feeling shame because it, it knew it, it broke, broke the rule and it's now sitting in a corner. What are you going to do as you see that puppy? And do you know every patient I've done this with, they've either verbalized, oh my gosh, I, I'm going to tell them it's okay, <laughs> you know, you do the best you can. Or I had one person say, I have no words, but I'm going to pick it up and I'm going to hold it. And I said, that's what, that's what you do with shame. The more you push it away, anything you repress goes, goes bigger and this helps to release it. It's funny, I'm getting goosebumps as I'm telling you this. So it's one of the ways I like to work with emotions is as if they were puppies, I absolutely love this idea of working with emotions as if they were puppies. This can be a great way to adjust to a more compassionate perspective of your situation. Self-compassion can be groundbreaking when you start to put it into practice. Let's hear what self-love advocate Kelly Uchima has to say from her personal experience. The biggest thing I think in eventually pursuing yourself is don't be afraid of your behaviors, your tendencies, your genuine thoughts. It's okay to struggle. And I would try to come off to my therapist like I wasn't struggling. I would lie. I would say, you ain't great. And that doesn't get me anywhere. And it's getting past the shame. The idea that you should be ashamed of having these ideas and struggles and behaviors. It's You have to, when you're struggling with food, in the moments you are, I remember my whole life I would run away from my own self, therefore keep doing the behavior. But when I sit with myself and go, oh, you're doing it again without that judgment, like there was an other, another Kelly here being like, you suck. She doesn't need to really be there. It's just me. And that's something I really had to learn is be with yourself in those moments. You can't be your own enemy. This is a great example of how self-compassion helps you move past shame. It's about befriending yourself in the hard times. Kelly learned to mindfully and non-judgmentally be with herself in those moments. So fear, shame, guilt, and anger, they are a natural part of life. They are universal emotions all humans experience. It's okay and valid for these emotions to arise. But what we do with them once they do arise and how long we let them take us under or over is up to us. We have the power to change that. You can bring self-compassion in as a new perspective and a new lens when you experience emotions like shame and guilt. So the next time you eat something and it triggers guilt, shame, and fear, use self-compassion and remind yourself that so many other people recovering from an eating disorder have felt this exact same way. And further remind yourself that this experience does not define you as a person. And ultimately, like a puppy, know that you are worthy of gentleness, love, and kindness. You're learning new ways of being and doing, and it will take time.
Well, my warrior friend, thank you for having the discipline to listen in. If you found this episode helpful and know somebody in recovery who could benefit from its inspiring message, please share this show with them. It would mean the world to us at Recovery Warriors if we can get our cause out to more people struggling with an eating disorder. So if what you heard today was helpful, share the show with another warrior or anyone on your treatment team. You can do this directly from your podcast player or send them over to recoverywarriors.com. We have a goldmine of free resources there for all stages of recovery. And until the next episode, may compassion light the path you are on and courage keep you on it. You totally got this, warrior. Warrior.